After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz in Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the Fifth, Ayyadahullahu Ta'ala bin Asrih Al-Aziz stated that as every Ahmadi is aware that on the 20th of February the Jamaat commemorates the prophecy of Muslim Maud, i.e. the promised reformer. And in light of this, the various Jamaats around the world hold Jalsas in relation to the prophecy of Muslim Maud. The 20th of February is still three days away, but I felt that it was appropriate to speak about this prophecy in today's sermon. This prophecy was in regards to a son who was to be born to the promised Messiah and who would possess many qualities through the extraordinary help and support from Allah the Almighty. The Promised Messiah has presented this prophecy in the following manner. He states, Allah the Almighty, the Powerful, the High, the Gracious, the Merciful and the Holy God who has power over all things, whose majesty is exalted and name is blessed, He revealed to me that I confer upon you a sign of my mercy according to your supplications. So I have heard your entreaties and have honoured your prayers with my acceptance through my mercy and made your journey, i.e. the journey to Hishyarpur and Ludhiana, a source of blessings for you. Therefore a sign of power, mercy, nearness is bestowed on you, a sign of grace and beneficence is awarded to you and you are granted the key of success and victory. Peace on you, O victorious one. Thus, did God speak so that those who desire life may be rescued from the grip of death and those who are buried in the graves may come out of them and so that the superiority of Islam and the dignity of God's word may become manifest unto the people and so that the truth may arrive with all its blessings and falsehood may flee with all its ills and so that people may understand that I am the Lord of power, I do whatever I will and so that they may believe that I am with you, and so that those who do not believe in God and deny and reject his religion and his book and his holy messenger Muhammad, the chosen one, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, may be confronted with a clear sign, and the way of the guilty ones may become manifest. Rejoice, therefore, that a handsome and pure boy will be bestowed on you, you will receive an unblemished youth who will be of your seed and will be of your progeny. A handsome and pure boy is coming as your guest. His name is Emmanuel and also Bashir. He has been invested with a spirit of holiness and he is free from all impurity. He is the light of Allah. Blessed is he who comes from heaven. He will be accomplished by grace which shall arrive with him. He will be characterized with grandeur, greatness and wealth. 
He will come into the world and will heal many of their disorders through the messianic qualities and through the blessings of the spirit of holiness. He is the word of Allah, for Allah's mercy and honour have equipped him with the word of majesty. He will be extremely intelligent and perceptive and will be meek of heart and will be filled with secular and spiritual knowledge. He will convert three into four. And in relation to this, the promised Messiah states that of this the meaning is not clear. It further states, it is Monday, a blessed Monday. Sun, delight of the heart, high-ranking, noble. A manifestation of the first and the last, a manifestation of the true and the high, as if Allah has descended from heaven. His advent will be greatly blessed and will be a source of manifestation of divine majesty. Behold, a light comes, anointed by God with the perfume of his pleasure. We shall pour our spirit into him and he will be sheltered under the shadow of God. He will grow rapidly in stature and will be the means of procuring the release of those held in bondage. His fame will spread to the ends of the earth and people will be blessed through him. He will then be raised to his spiritual station in heaven. And this is a matter decreed. Thus, in accordance with the time period mentioned in the prophecy, a son was born to the promised Messiah whose name was Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad Allah the Almighty also appointed him as the second Khalifa of the promised Messiah And then, after a long time, Khalifatul Masih II, upon being informed by Allah the Almighty, announced that I am the very son who was foretold by the promised Messiah to become the promised reformer, i.e. Muslim Aud. Indeed, both the members of the community and non-Ahmadis have openly acknowledged the fact that he was bestowed with secular and spiritual knowledge by Allah the Almighty. He was intelligent, perceptive and possessed many other qualities. At this moment in time, I will speak about some of the intellectual and various achievements of Hazrat Muslim anhu. However, before listening to the details that I will present before you, it is important to keep in view the fact that Hazrat Muslim Aud had very poor health as a child. His childhood was spent in ailment, he also had problems with his vision and at one point he began to lose vision in one eye. Furthermore, he had little to no secular education. He struggled to complete his primary education, but... As Hazrat Muslim Aud states himself that it was the promise of Allah the Almighty that he would be bestowed with secular and spiritual knowledge. In light of this, Allah the Almighty enabled him to deliver such extraordinary addresses and sermons that left others astounded. And all his various writings are indeed in a class of their own. Even the non ahmadis attest to this fact and today I will present some references in relation to this. However, before presenting these references, I will put before you an overview of the sheer quantity of his literary works, speeches, essays, addresses, question and answer sessions and so forth. The books, addresses, lectures, essays, letters and other works of Hazrat Muslim Aud which are complete and published in the form of Anwarul Aloom and some material which is almost ready to be published and will be included in this collection will have a total of 38 volumes and these volumes contain 1424 literary works which comprise 20,340 pages or so it is estimated Tafsir-e-Kabir and Tafsir-e-Sagheer and other 
exegetical work amount to a total of 28,735 pages. Then there are 1,808 Friday sermons, which amount to 18,705 pages. There are 91 Eid al-Fitr sermons, which amount to 503 pages. There are 42 Eid al-Adha sermons, which amount to 405 pages. There are 115 Nikah sermons, which amount to 684 pages. Then the first and third volume of his Shura sermons have also been published, which are comprised of 2,131 pages. And if all these various literary works and some others are brought together, they amount to a total of approximately 75,000 pages. Furthermore, the research cell have looked through the archives from 1930 to 1970 of Al-Hakam and Al-Fazl and have found some work that has not yet been published in Al-Warul Aloom or in other publications. And according to that report, 55 essays or articles, 27 addresses, 143 question and answer sessions, 222 spoken discourses and 131 letters have been found. Thus, this is a vast treasure of knowledge. Now, among his intellectual achievements, I will first mention those pertaining to the translation and commentaries of the Holy Qur'an and also the opinions and reviews of others. In Tafsir-e-Kabir, Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala has written the commentary of 59 chapters of the Holy Qur'an, which make up 10 volumes and amount to a total of 5,907 pages. And apart from these, thousands of pages on his exegetical notes have been found, and these are also expected to be published sometime. Also, a great work he achieved was the idiomatic translation of the Holy Qur'an in the form of Tafsir al-Saghir. In the latter part of his life, Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala's greatest desire was to publish in his lifetime the complete idiomatic translation of the Holy Qur'an to a high standard, along with concise and comprehensive notes of its commentary. Upon his return from his tour of Europe in 1955, even though often Hazur's health would not be too good, however, Allah the Almighty helped his promised Khalifa with the Holy Spirit in such an extraordinary manner that he travelled to the mountainous area of Mari in June 1956 and began to dictate the translation of the Holy Quran, which by the grace of Allah the Almighty was completed on 25th August 1956 by the Asr prayer. This particular area was known as Nakhla, which is next to Kallar Kahar and has a very pleasant atmosphere. And there Hazrat Muslim built a small settlement and this work was done there. Thereafter, it was proofread twice and then work was done for its publication and proofing and various other work was completed in relation to this. On 15th November 1957, Tafsir al was published and ready. In one place, regarding Tafsir al-Sagheer, Hazrat Muslim Aud has written, In my view, none of the other translations of the Holy Qur'an have taken into consideration the Urdu and Arabic expressions and idiomatic structure as has this translation. We can generally observe this and also through the notes of Hazrat Muslim Aud that he has greatly taken into account the sentence order and construction in his translation. He further states, This is purely out of Allah the Almighty's grace that He has granted me the opportunity to undertake such an extraordinary task in such a short space of time. Allah the Almighty enabled this elderly and weak person to carry out such a momentous task which many a strong people could not do. In the last 1300 years, there have been many strong young men, but none of them were able to perform the task which Allah the Almighty enabled me to carry out. In actuality, these are the works of God Almighty, and He fulfills it through whosoever He wills. In another place, Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala states, By the grace and mercy of Allah the Almighty, I have completed the translation of the entire Holy Qur'an. In other words, from Alhamdulillah 
all the way to Wannas, i.e. right from the beginning to the end. And alongside that, there is a short commentary, which if compared to tafsir kabir it covers many subjects in a concise manner, which have not even been covered in tafsir kabir Furthermore, there is the English commentary of the Holy Quran, which is another important work, and that is referred to as the five-volume commentary. At the beginning of this commentary, Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala has penned an exceptionally insightful introduction which sheds light on the necessity of the Holy Quran among other divine scriptures and also the pure life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, the compilation of the Holy Quran and other Quranic knowledge in an unparalleled and compelling manner. At the end of this introduction, Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala wrote a note of thanks and recognition and he wrote, in conclusion, I desire to acknowledge the great services rendered by Molvi Sher Ali Sahib, who has, in spite of feeble and failing health, devoted so large a portion of his time to the translation of the text into English. I also wish to thank him, along with Malik Ghulam Farid Sahib and the late Chaudhry Abdul Hashim Khan Sahib and Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib, for the labour they have devoted to extracting from my speeches and writings the material upon which the explanatory notes are based on. Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala further wrote that I also desire to state that since I was a pupil of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih I Ta'ala a good deal of what I acquired from him is reflected in the explanatory notes. Therefore, these notes are in fact based upon the interpretation of the Qur'an by the Promised Messiah the first Khalifa and myself. Since God had anointed the promised Messiah with his spirit and had honoured him by bestowing upon him such knowledge as was requisite for the development of this and succeeding generations, I trust that this commentary will serve to heal many of their ills and by means of it the blind shall see, the deaf shall hear, the dumb shall speak and the lame and the halt shall walk and God's angels shall so bless it that it shall succeed in fulfilling the object for which it is being published. Do thou, O Lord, ordain that it be so. And indeed, whoever has read it until now, including various non-Muslims and Christians, greatly praise it. Alamma Niyaz Fatehpuri Sahib is a prominent writer and researcher, and he was the editor of the monthly journal Nigar, and he's not an Ahmadi, but when he was studying Tafsir-e-Kabir, he wrote a letter to Hazrat Muslim Maud and he stated that I'm currently studying the third volume of Tafsir-e-Kabir and I'm doing so in great depth. There is no doubt that you have established a completely new perspective of studying the Holy Quran and this commentary is the first of its kind in which reason and evidence have been combined in a most excellent manner. He further wrote, that the depth of your knowledge, your far-sightedness, and your extraordinary analysis and insight and your excellent manner of reasoning are evident in each and every word of it, and I regret that I remained unaware of it until now. This is a prominent and scholarly individual who is mentioning all of this. He further stated, Yesterday, upon reading the commentary of Surah Hud, I became extremely pleased after finding out your views on Hazrat Lut and I was compelled to write this letter. Commenting on Haulai Banati that these are my daughters, you have discussed this in a completely unique manner from all other commentators and it is impossible for me to praise it enough. In another letter he writes, At night I make it an obligation to read it. And according to me this is the first commentary in Urdu which is able to satisfy the human mind to a great extent. He then further writes, The service this commentary has rendered towards Islam is so magnificent that even your adversaries cannot deny it. Zalika fadlullahi yu'tihi man yasha That is Allah's grace and He bestows it upon whomsoever He pleases. And Sayyid Muhammad Azam Sahib of Hyderabad was an Ahmadi and he says, a well-known individual from the subcontinent, Nawab Bahadur Yar Jang Sahib, he was not an Ahmadi, but was a good friend of Seyed Sahib. 
In relation to him, he states that he would frequently mention Tafsir al-Sagheer in his gatherings. And he would always attest to its magnificence and say that he benefited greatly from its insights. Then, Akhtar Renvi Sahib M.A., head of the Department of Urdu at the University of Patna, relates a personal incident and says, I gave several volumes, one after the other, of Khalifatul Masih II's Tafsir Kabir to Professor Abdul Manan Bedal, a former head of the Department of Persian at Patna College and currently principal of Shabina College, Patna. He says that he was so impressed after reading the commentary that he gave the professors of the Arabic college, Shamsul Huda in Patna, several volumes of the commentary to read. And he invited some of the professors one day and inquired of them their views. One of the professors said that such commentary did not exist among the Persian commentaries. Professor Abdul Manan Sahib asked about their opinion with regards to the Arabic commentaries and the professors remained silent. After a short while, one of them said that all Arabic commentaries cannot be obtained in Patna and we can only establish a correct opinion after having studied all the commentaries available in Egypt and Syria. The professor started mentioning older Arabic commentaries and stated that not a single commentary of the same standard as the commentary of Mirza Mahmud can be found in any other language. You may also order the new commentaries from Egypt and Syria and speak to me after a few months. The scholars of Arabic and Persian that were sitting there were left dumbfounded. Then, Molana Abdul Majid Dariyabadi, the author of many books and editor of Sadiq Jadid Lucknow newspaper, wrote upon the demise of Hazrat Muslim Maud The news has been published in Karachi that the Imam of the Ahmadiyya Qadiani Jamaat, Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud, passed away on the 8th of November in Rabwa. He says, however different his other beliefs may be, may Allah reward him for the zeal and determination with which he continued to strive for the global publication of the Qur'an and the Qur'anic knowledge and worldwide preaching efforts for Islam. And he continued to do this right till the very end of his life. Thus, in light of this, may he overlook all other matters in terms of knowledge, the explanation, elucidation and translation of the Qur'anic truths and sciences that he has left behind, has a very high and exalted status. Then there was a famous Ahrari leader, Molvi Mazhar Ali Sahib Azhar, and he writes in his book, A Terrifying Conspiracy, that Molvi Zafar Ali Khan has said that the Ahrar had a big hand in instigating opposition against Ahmadis. And in order to acquire wealth, the Haradis have put on a false show. He then further says that they are devouring the hard-earned income of poor Muslims by scapegoating Qadianis. Someone should ask these Haradis that what have you made better for the Muslims? What service to Islam have you carried out? And have you ever preached Islam? He himself is an Harari. And he says that, O Aharadis, listen well. You and your followers cannot compete with Mirza Mahmud even until the Day of Judgment. Because Mirza Mahmud has knowledge of the Qur'an. And what have you got? Is there anyone among you who can understand even the simple text of the Qur'an? You have not even read the Qur'an in your dreams. You do not know anything yourself. What will you teach others? Not even your angels could oppose Mirza Mahmud. Mirza Mahmud has such a community that is ready to sacrifice everything at his feet with a single gesture from him. What do you have except curses and foul language? Curse be on your treachery. He then writes, Mirza Mahmud has missionaries and experts in different fields. He has planted the flag of his community in every country of the world. I cannot be dissuaded from telling the truth. I will surely say this, that if you wish to oppose Mirza Mahmud, then first learn the Qur'an, prepare missionaries and establish madrasas to teach Arabic. If you want to oppose them, then prepare missionaries. Just like they do, preach Islam in other countries. What honour is there in swearing at the Mirzais 
Is this the preaching of Islam? Certainly not. This is just the desecration of Islam. Then on 30th May 1966, the newspaper Imroz Lahore published its review of Tafsir al-Sagheer and stated, The Holy Quran is the spring and fountainhead of guidance for the entire mankind. And this manifest book will forever show Muslims the right path in spiritual and worldly matters and will bring those who are lost and astray back onto the right path. If only today's scholars could understand this. He then further writes that the Holy Quran is a complete guide for one's life. There is no part or aspect or stage of life where we cannot derive help from the Quran. However, it is apparent that to achieve this, it is necessary to possess understanding of the Qur'an. If there is no understanding of the meanings of the established commandments of God, then how will the process of attaining guidance even begin? In other words, it is important to understand the Qur'an, then we will understand what is written in it. Considering this necessity, he writes, considering this necessity, the process of commentary of the Qur'anic discourse began, and from the revelation of the Qur'an until now and onwards into the future, this process will continue. Whoever has taken any part in this journey to help understand the Qur'an is deserving of our gratitude, meaning that we should be thankful to them. He then writes that commentators who have strived to spread Qur'anic knowledge in their own times must also be deemed worthy of praise, because in this manner commentary of the Qur'an took on the form of a systematic endeavour and a proper process was established for the effective conveyance of the meanings and purports of the Qur'an. And alhamdulillah, all praise belongs to Allah. This process has and will continue. He further states regarding Tafsir al-Sagheer that at this time Tafsir al-Sagheer is in front of us and this commentary is the result of the intellectual effort of the leader of the Ahmadiyya community, the late Al-Hajj Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmood Ahmad. Alongside the Urdu translation of the Arabic text of the Qur'an, many footnotes and detailed notes have been given at different places for explanation. And the language of the translation and explanatory notes is very simple and easy to understand. Then there was a weekly publication named Kandil, and it writes on 19th June 1966 that the passion evident in the publication of the Holy Qur'an from the Anjuman Himayat Islam Lahore and the Taj Company Limited is praiseworthy. He then writes in relation to Tafsir al-Sagheer, As a result of the publication of Tafsir al-Sagheer, this enlightening project has further progressed. The translation and commentary in Tafsir al-Sagheer are a result of the hard work of the Imam of the Ahmadiyya community, Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmoud Ahmad. And the language of the translation and notes is easy to understand, enabling people of all intellectual capabilities to benefit from it. Furthermore, the translation and commentary has been presented whilst bearing in mind all the commentaries of those from the past till the present. It then states that to publish and print the Holy Qur'an in such a beautiful manner is indeed a great service to Islam. Nowadays, the clerics of Pakistan claim that changes have been made to the Qur'an in Tafsir al-Sagheer and should therefore be banned. And Tafsir al-Sagheer has been banned in Pakistan and no one is even allowed to have it in their homes. Whereas, the fair-minded people of the past say, that there is nothing like it and that it is praiseworthy and that one can learn so much from it. Thus, may Allah the Almighty enable the clerics of today to also see with justice. Then the theological and literary excellences of the English commentary of the Qur'an also greatly impressed the scholars of the highest levels in Europe and America and they gave it excellent reviews. For example, the renowned scholar A.J. Arbery states, that this new translation and commentary of the Holy Qur'an is a wonderful achievement. He further writes that the current volume of this accomplishment seems to be the first step, in other words, the volume which he received. He says 15 years have passed since the scholars and researchers of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Qadiyan began this incredible work and this has been happening under the encouraging leadership of Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmood Ahmad. This was a very significant task, that is to say, to publish the text of the Holy Qur'an along with an extremely accurate English translation, and not just that, but also the commentary of individual verses along with the translation. He then writes, In the beginning there is a lengthy introduction which Hazrat Mizza Bashiruddin penned himself, 
And he then goes on to mention what is in that introduction. And then he further writes that if one were to say that this work is a remarkable tribute of research and acquisition of knowledge in Islam, then it would be no exaggeration. He further writes, it has been prepared at every stage with the references to books of exegesis, lexicons and books of history, etc. The reader is left astonished by the long list of these books. It is evident from this that those who prepared this not only studied the well-known Arabic exegesis, but they also bore in mind whatever was written in a critical tone by the Europeans and Orientalists. If one were to look at only the translation, they would have no choice but to say that the English translation is free from errors and that it is very sophisticated. He continues, allegations of the non-Muslim critics has been refuted in this and there is also an appropriate critical analysis of other faiths. For non-Muslim readers, it may seem that in several parts there will be one-sided information in a critical tone, but they should bear in mind these portions have also been written with pure intentions, so it behoves that they be read with utmost attention. Thus, it becomes evident from these the context in which the righteous and knowledgeable Muslims criticize the traditions and teachings of other faiths. Then Dr. Charles S. Braden, who was the chair of the Department of History and Literature of Religions at Northwestern University, writes, The publication of this book is extremely good. Its type is of high quality and it is easy to read. In terms of all the English publications on Islamic literature, this is a very valuable addition for which the world is tremendously grateful to the Ahmadiyya community. Then a famous Christian newspaper, An-Nasr, wrote that the Ahmadiyya community has done outstanding work in spreading Islamic beliefs to America and Europe. And this work is continuously being done with the constant flow of missionaries, along with the publication of various books and leaflets, which illustrate the excellences of Islam and the truthfulness of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. We were greatly pleased to see the English translation of the Holy Quran this translation has been done under the leadership of Hazrat Mizza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad, the Imam of the Ahmadiyya community. And this translation of the Holy Quran is captivating and grants comfort to the eyes of those who read it. This translation consists of a high standard of thought. The Quranic verses are in one column and the translation provided in the column beside it. And then a detailed commentary is presented. One who studied this commentary finds in it detailed responses to the allegations levelled by Orientalists and European opponents. It is also worthy of mentioning that along with this translation, the Imam of the Ahmadiyya community, Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad Sahib, has also penned the biography of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and this biography and translation are unmatched. In any case, these are the comments regarding Tafsir al-Kabir, Tafsir al-Sagheer and the five-volume commentary. And now I will also mention some speeches. And non-Ahmadis have also praised the scholarly treasure which Hazrat Muslim Anhu presented before us in the form of speeches. And I will also mention their views and comments. One of his speeches was a new world order which Hazrat Muslim Aoud delivered before an external or non-Ahmadi audience. Whilst commenting on this speech, a renowned Egyptian journalist and professor Abbas Mahmoud al-Aqad wrote the following in a famous Egyptian magazine Ar-Risala about the publication of the English translation of this extraordinary lecture. He says, upon studying this lecture it is clear that the proficient lecturer Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad draws the focus of a world order towards eliminating the issues of poverty and deprivation, or in other words, distributing resources equally among nations and people. He further writes, Undoubtedly, the lecturer Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad is well aware and has complete knowledge from every angle of all the new orders in the world which have attempted to solve these problems such as fascism, Nazism, 
communism and other democratic systems. And he did not simply address them without any prior knowledge of them. Rather, he had a deep-rooted knowledge of all the new isms. Then, he further writes, At the same time, he is of the belief, and a belief which is entirely correct, that the state, party leaders and governments cannot resolve these issues, which is why a spiritual power is required in order to resolve these difficulties. Because such difficulties that pertain to all of humanity can only be resolved with the collective efforts of all of humanity. Hence, faith and belief, which are the greatest means of establishing contentment and bring about boldness in undertaking righteous deeds and undergoing reformation, cannot be overlooked. He then further writes, Thereafter, he examined in detail the major religions in India specifically and other religions in the world generally in order to search for the solutions to the difficulties which the world detests and in order to find a new world order which can be presented in contrast to the current order. And this is because it is also their responsibility to find a solution to this problem and to eliminate this difficulty. He then writes that he, Ayyazad Muslim Ta'ala'anhu, presented various arguments in favour of the fact that other religions could present their own orders if they had them, but in reality they would not be able to do so. He then writes, He presented many arguments in favour of the fact that out of all the religions, Islam is the only religion which has the ability to solve these problems. All people and all nations were able to implement these teachings before and they can do so in the current age as well. Then, Mahmud al-Aqad summarized a part of a new world order in his own words and then stated, In other words, not only did the prolific lecturer leave no stone unturned in challenging and comparing the religious concepts which have only briefly been indicated above, he had written in great detail, however I have not read that portion of his, but in any case he goes on to write, but he has greatly focused upon them and was extremely meticulous because, as he stated, that belief is something that can lead to reformation. He then further writes, Along with challenging and comparing these beliefs, he also challenged all of these political and social systems and thus proved that they all fall short, both practically and spiritually, in fulfilling their purpose. He then summarized the portion of a new world order which addresses political and social systems. Then he further writes, If this voice were to spread among the English of Europe and America, in fact, even if it was spread within India and those residing in the East, it will certainly prove to be impactful. Then another lecture which Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala'anhu delivered was the outset of dissension in Islam, which was delivered at the gathering of the Martin Historical Society at the Islamia College in Lahore. This lecture was so scholarly and encompassing of Islamic history that renowned historians considered themselves to be students in comparison to him. And a summary of Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala'anhu's research is, I will present a summary, that it is proven that Hazrat Usman and other companions had no part in any disorder and were free from fault. In fact, their conduct displayed a very high level of moral standards and they treaded upon the highest standards of virtue. We cannot blame any of them, whether Hazrat Usman or the companions. He then explained that the companions did not oppose the Khilafat of Hazrat Usman and they remained loyal until the very end. Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala'anhu also proved that it was false to say that the companions rebelled and furthermore the allegation against Hazrat Ali, Hazrat Talha and Hazrat Zubair of hatching secret plots is also completely false and this was also proven in the lecture. 
The allegation against the Ansar of being displeased with Hazrat Usman is also false because we find that all of the chieftains of the Ansar strove to eliminate the disorder. In any case, the impressions of non-Ahmadis regarding this lecture are as follows. Sayyid Abdul Qadir Sahib M.A., professor at the Islamia College Lahore writes, A prolific father's prolific son, Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad's prestigious name is enough to know for certain that this speech is extremely scholarly. He says, I too have some knowledge of history and I can claim that whether Muslim or non-Muslim, there are very few historians who have been able to understand the crux of Hazrat Usman Radiallahu's era of Khilafat or have been successful in understanding the reasons behind the disorder and civil war that took place. Hazrat Mirza Sahib has not only succeeded in understanding the factors leading to the civil war, but he relayed the incidents with great clarity and sequence in order to explain why the era of that Khilafat experienced such turbulent times. It is my belief that one who studies history will have not come across such research before. The reality is that the more one studies authentic Islamic history with regards to the era of Hazrat Usman, the more lessons that can be taken away from it and the more it is revered. There are many more comments, however time does not permit to mention all of them. Then there was a lecture by Hazrat Muslim about the economic system in Islam which took place in the Ahmadiyya hostel in Lahore. The speech lasted approximately two and a half hours. And aside from Ahmadi Muslims, there were hundreds of Muslims and non-Muslims in attendance and in some sources this number was recorded as thousands. The majority of the audience members comprised of highly educated individuals including non-Ahmadi Muslims and other non-Muslims as well as professors and students of Punjab University. And during the speech, professors, lawyers and other intellectuals were continuously taking notes. Giving a summary of the economic system in Islam, Hazrat Muslim Allah says, the essence of the economic system of Islam lies in an appropriate combination of individual freedom with state intervention. An individual should have freedom to a degree, but the state should also have some intervention, but they ought to be aligned appropriately and coordinated. He further states, the economic system put forth by Islam allows state intervention to a certain extent, but it also provides for individual freedom. A proper balance between these two defines the Islamic economic system. Individual freedom is granted to enable persons to build up assets and spend them voluntarily in order to gain the spiritual benefits in the life to come. It should not only be limited to worldly competition alone, but also that one can compete in doing good deeds for the hereafter. Hazur then says, State intervention, on the other hand, is provided in order to protect the poor from economic exploitation by the wealthy. The state intervention is deemed essential for putting in place certain safeguards against harming the weaker sections of society, while individual freedom is deemed essential for a healthy competition among individuals and for enabling them to make provisions for the life hereafter. Thus, in the Islamic economic system, Individuals are given full opportunity to voluntarily serve humanity and earn merit in the life hereafter by upholding the right for individual freedom. Individual freedom thus opens up endless possibilities of progress through the force of healthy competition and at the same time judicious state intervention is provided so that the economic system is not based on brutality and injustice and hindrances to economic progress of any section of society are avoided. Then in the second half of his speech, Hazrat Muslim Aud presented an in-depth analysis of the communist ideology from a religious, economic, political and a practical perspective. Towards the end he read the passage of the Bible in Urdu, which contained an extraordinary prophecy of the Bible regarding it. In addition to this, he also mentioned the prophecies of the Promised Messiah and also his own prophecies as well. As a Muslim Maud's lecture sent shockwaves throughout the leading academics and by the grace of Allah it received tremendous success at every level. The audience members listened to the speech so intently 
It was as if birds were perched on top of their heads, and the speech lasted a continuous two and a half hours. Upon hearing the speech, one professor began to cry, and some students who were inclined towards communism said that they are now inclined towards Islamic socialism and deem it to be correct. After listening to his speech, some MA students of the economic department expressed their wish for the English translation of the speech to be published and given to the professors in the department. In those days, since the subcontinent was still under the British rule, most of the professors were English, and they also said that many people were putting forth various schemes for the progress and development in India, and the Islamic system that has been proposed by His Holiness would represent the opinion of the Muslims. The chair at the time of this speech was Mr. Ramchandar Machanda Sahib, who was an advocate of the High Court Lahore. And a person who wrote about the speech said that after this outstanding speech concluded, the chair of the event, respected Lala Ramchand Sahib, delivered a brief address and stated, I consider myself very fortunate that I was able to listen to this invaluable address. He further stated that I am pleased to see that the Ahmadiyya movement is progressing and making a remarkable progress. The speech that you have all just heard contains new and invaluable points delivered by His Holiness, the Imam of the Ahmadiyya community. I have benefited greatly from this speech and I am sure that you also benefited from these unique points. It pleases me to see that not only Muslims but also non-Muslims are also present in this gathering. He then further stated, Initially I thought, and this is an error on my part, that Islam only looks out for Muslims in its teachings and does not care much for non-Muslims. However, today, after listening to the speech of the Imam of the Ahmadiyya community, I have come to learn that Islam teaches equality for all of mankind and this has pleased me greatly. I would urge my non-Muslim friends, would they have any hesitation in respecting and honouring this interpretation of Islam? The earnest manner in which you have listened to this two-and-a-half-hour speech delivered by the Imam of the Ahmadiyya community, if a European person were to witness this spectacle, they would be astonished as to how much India has progressed. Then the person who reported about the event further states, After listening to the speech, majority of the audience could only speak in praise of the speech. Most of the people admitted that although we differ in our beliefs to the beliefs of Hazrat Mizza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmed, in other words, they did not believe what he believed in, however, they cannot reject the truth. Despite having different creedal views, they cannot deny the fact that he is one of the greatest scholars of India, and this indeed is the truth. Indeed, this is absolutely correct. The manner in which he made reference to economics based upon Quranic injunctions and verities and the way in which he refuted the European economic philosophy has never been presented by any person in that even non-Muslims accept the superiority of its teachings and those who were inclined towards communism were forced to accept the flaws within it. Mulvi Sherli Sahib stated that after the speech he heard some non-Ahmadi students speaking amongst themselves saying that if you still support communism even after this, then you are disgraceful. Similarly, as was mentioned earlier, that after listening to the speech, one professor began to cry. After the speech concluded, the non-Ahmadi professors and students expressed their wish that since His Holiness was not able to expand upon his views for all the topics due to the constraint of time, there ought to be another speech in which he can speak at length about the remaining topics, and so that people can be enlightened from the ocean of knowledge that Allah the Almighty had bestowed upon His Holiness. He would be filled with secular and spiritual knowledge. Then Sayyid Abdul Qadir, the Vice-Principal of Islamia College Lahore and Head of the History Department wrote a column in the newspaper Sunrise Lahore 
on the topic of Islam and communism. In this column he wrote, I am very proud and elated that I had the opportunity to listen to the speech delivered by the Imam of the Ahmadiyya community, Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmoud Ahmad, on the topic of the economic system of Islam and communism. Among his various other lectures, I also had the opportunity to listen to this lecture of his as well, and it was a very enlightening and informative lecture. Mirza Sahib possesses God-given capabilities, and he had great command on every aspect of this subject. He then further writes, He had no degree in this, nor done any research into it. Rather, he has been taught by Allah the Almighty. Therefore, it is imperative that we value them and pay attention to them. This lecture has also been translated into various languages and after reading its translations, the foreign press and academia has greatly praised it. After reading this book, the President of the Supreme Tribunal, S.Y. D. Jos Kostan, wrote to Molvi Karam Ilahi Zafar Sahib and stated that I am very grateful for your letter, which also contained an excellent book. Upon reading it, it has had a deeply profound impact upon me. And I can assure you that Allah the Almighty shall grant you tremendous success in Spain and also in other countries. This book is extremely interesting in relation to the current circumstances. Then, upon the demise of Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala, the newspaper Roshni Srinagar wrote on 11th November 1965 that the first president of the All India Kashmir Committee respected Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad Sahib passes away. It then further states, He was a brilliant scholar and thinker. There is hardly anyone who could match him in his speeches. The speeches delivered on the intricate subject of the economic system of Islam and the new world order of Islam, each one delivered in a single sitting, have been published in book form and have become widely accepted. He further writes that his scholarly excellence can be ascertained from the fact that the judge of the International Court of Justice, Sir Muhammad Zafrullah Khan Sahib, is also among his devotees and the manner in which he has praised his beautiful character is indeed captivating and is very rare to find in a person. He was a fountainhead of secular and spiritual knowledge. Now even the non-Ahmadis are acknowledging the fact that he was a fountainhead of secular and spiritual knowledge. He writes, he was truly unique in his intellectual and practical pursuits. The vast majority of his life was spent in the remembrance of God and scholarly pursuits, but he was also a determined and courageous leader in the practical field of work. It further states, The heart of every Kashmiri is full of praise for respected Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad, for he played a huge role in seeking the freedom for Kashmir. When the Tehrike Kashmir was established in 1931, he was the first president of the All India Kashmir Committee, and it was owing to his efforts that the movement progressed and had a global impact. The Wembley Conference is very well known in the history of our Jamaat. When Hazrat Muslim Aud's speech was read out, the externals also commented on this. Giving his brief remarks at the conclusion of the address, the president of the event stated, I do not need to say much. The address itself reflects its beauty and excellence. This is an Englishman saying this, and he says, I would like to express my gratitude to Khalifa al-Masih and also on behalf of the attendees for the excellent manner in which the subject matter of the address was organized, the excellent views and the profound arguments. From the reaction of the audience, it demonstrates that they are in complete agreement with me and I am convinced that I am rightfully expressing gratitude on their behalf and I speak for them in this regard. He then turned towards Hazrat Muslim Maud and said, Congratulations on your successful lecture, and among the lectures which were delivered today, your lecture was excellent. The person who was writing this report writes, 
that a gentleman approached Hazrat Muslim and said, I have worked in India for 30 years and have studied the condition of the Muslims and the arguments presented by their faith because I was there serving as a missionary. However, you have presented your lecture in such an excellent, clear and meticulous manner that I have never heard it presented like this before. The lecture in terms of the ideas, order of subject matter and arguments presented has left a deep impact upon me. In any case, there are countless impressions like this. Furthermore, as I mentioned in the beginning, that Hazrat Muslim Aud has countless literary works and addresses and I presented just a few examples from them. I will also present an extract from the newspaper Fatul Arab, Damascus. In 1924, when Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II travelled to Europe, he also stayed in some of the Arab countries and the Arab press also mentioned their views and impressions about him. The Fatul Arab Damascus newspaper wrote on 10th August 1924 that the Khalifa is in the 40th year of his life. He has a full black beard. He has wheat complexion. Majesty and magnanimity is evident from his face. His eyes reflect extraordinary knowledge, intelligence and wisdom. When you assess his level of intelligence by reflecting upon his facial features whilst he stood wearing his turban which is white as snow, you will realise that you are standing in front of a person who understands you very well before you could understand him. He is able to assess you through his eyes and he is always smiling. Regarding Hazrat Muslim Allah it further wrote, He is always smiling which sometimes is hidden and sometimes becomes apparent. In other words, he is always smiling and he then further wrote that you will marvel at the meanings and all hidden behind this smile. There are countless impressions like this of non-Ahmadis and externals who had the opportunity of spending a short moment or a long time in Hazrat Muslim Aud's company. And as I mentioned earlier that I had collected a lot of material but due to time I have only presented some of it and even that was only a summary of it and not the full details. The words which the Promised Messiah mentioned in the prophecy, or rather which Allah the Almighty revealed to the Promised Messiah have all been fulfilled through Hazrat Mizza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad Muslim Aud. No scholar, no matter how great they were, could challenge Hazrat Muslim Aud in the knowledge and wisdom which Allah the Almighty granted to him. The literature given to us by Hazrat Muslim Aoud is a precious treasure of the Jamaat. Many of his sermons, addresses, lectures have been published and some are currently in the process of being published. We should read these and now the translation of this literature is also being done at great pace and inshallah will quickly be made available. A lot of material has already been translated into English and is currently being translated as well. By that I mean some small booklets have already been published. May Allah the Almighty enable us to derive benefit from the knowledge and wisdom contained in these. Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah, Nahmadu, Nastainu, Nastafiru, Wanomino Behi, Wanatawakalo, Wanauzubillah, Heaven Shurian Fosino, Women say, Molino, Maya de Lofala, Mudilahu. Who 